We are live with episode number 326 of the Sean Sports Thought Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. We have a lot to talk about, as always. I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports. Nothing's changed around here. Coming at you from Los Angeles, California. But first, I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you've been a listener, you know the deal. You have a small or medium-sized company that needs managed IT services. You go to them. Go to crimsonit.com. Tell them that you found them from the Sean Sports Top Podcast, and you will get a huge discount on whatever product or service you're looking for. If you enjoy the show, please um, follow me on Instagram at theboy62. That's T-H-A-B-O-Y-Y-62. You know, rate the show. Do whatever you got to do. It really helps me out quite a bit. And with that said, let's get right into it, starting with some hockey. Not something we talk about not some, that often, not something that American sports outlets talk about. But the United States has a, fa- has a favorable history against Canada in title games at the World Junior Men's Hockey Championship, having won three of its four titles against its northern neighbors in 2004, 10, and 17. And Tuesday's championship game continued that tradition. The United States won its fifth title with a 2-0 win over Canada, with Boston College slash Florida Panthers goalkeeper Spencer Knight securing the shutout with 34 saves. It's unbelievable, in my opinion, that the U.S. uh, not only beat Canada, because hockey is undoubtedly the number one sport in Canada, but shut them out, meaning that Canada scored zero goals, and they had 19 NHL first-round picks playing. That's Team Canada. Uh, So unbelievable that they didn't score a single goal. Uh, Trevor... Trevor Trevor Zigris and Alex uh, Turcotte from the Anaheim Ducks and Los Angeles Kings, respectively, um, scored the goals for the USA. So a huge win for the USA. Um, it's, it should be embarrassing for Canada, in my opinion. When you're not, you know, people clown people clown the USA for not having a good soccer, a men's soccer team. The women's team is obviously number one in the world, but uh, people clown the USA for not having a good men's soccer team. But you know, how many sports are played in, in America that are more prioritized than soccer? You have basketball, football, baseball, hockey, boxing, tennis, like maybe not tennis, but all those sports are more prioritized than soccer and they get clowned for it. Canada, hockey is their number one sport. Imagine if imagine if the best, uh, let's say the best um, high school basketball prospects lost to a bunch of juniors from New Zealand. I mean, they'd be unprecedented. I mean, it's maybe not not a fair analogy, but I think you guys get what I'm trying to say. So a huge win for the U.S. And with that, I'm transitioning to the NFL. No more hockey on this episode. So if you don't like hockey, <laughs> you won't have to suffer. The Pro Football Hall of Fame unveiled the 15 modern era finalists for the 2021 class, a group headlined by Peyton Manning, Megatron, and Charles Woodson. Here's the full list. Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, Alan Fanica, Tony Baselli, Jared Allen, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Clay Matthews. Damn, Clay Matthews is already on the ballot. That's crazy. He just, I guess you don't have to wait as long in football because he was on the Rams maybe two years. Yeah, two years ago. Sam Mills, Charles Woodson, Ron Barber, John Lynch, and Leroy Butler. Peyton is obviously the most famous um, on the list. He's 44 years old now. He's widely considered one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Many people have him as the greatest quarterback of all time. He finished with 71,940 passing yards and 539 touchdowns. He also set the single season record for most passing yards at 5,477 and 55 touchdowns in 2013 when he was 37 years old. So to do it at that age is very impressive. He's a 14-time Pro Bowler, 7-time All-Pro, and he won one Super Bowl apiece with the Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos. Uh, In terms of career numbers for Calvin Johnson, that's Megatron. Uh, he's not near the top of the leaderboard only because only because he played nine seasons in the NFL and shocked many people when he retired so early. His 86.1 receiving yards a game are second most, however, 
and he holds the single season mark for receiving yards at 1,964. Uh, he lived up to the he lived up to his nickname Megatron, reaching the Pro Bowl in each of his final six seasons and earning three All Pro nods. Much like with Barry Sanders, fans can only wonder, you know, what else he might have been able to do had he played longer. Um, I can't say that he would be the greatest wide receiver of, of all time, but he was unbelievable for the years that he was in the NFL. So these are your finalists, the, your finalists for the 2021 Pro, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Speaking of football, transitioning to the Heisman Trophy winner, Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith was the best player in college football during the 2020 season. Smith won the Heisman Trophy during Tuesday's virtual ceremony, beating out fellow finalists Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, Florida quarterback Kyle Trask, and Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. People are already saying that Trevor Lawrence might be the best uh, college football college football player of all time that hasn't won a Heisman. I personally would uh, you know, go with Peyton Manning on that one. Uh, so Devontae Smith is the first non-quarterback or running back to win the award since Charles Woodson in 1997. Again, Peyton Manning just mentioned him. Charles Woodson just mentioned him. And he's the first wide receiver to win since Desmond Howard in 1991. So it's been that long since a wide receiver won the Heisman Award. That's honestly very surprising for me. Um, Jill Martin of CNN, not sure why CNN is talking about this, noted that Trevor Lawrence was just the second Clemson player to be named a Heisman finalist and had a chance to be the school's first winner. This was also the year that Alabama had multiple finalists the first time. Um, I mean, Devontae Smith was unbelievable. Let's let's take a look at all these guys. Mac Jones, 76.5% completion percentage. That is unreal. Um, let me see if there's ever been anyone better. Um, let's see, highest NCAA QB completion percentage all time. Let's check this out because 76.5 is very, oh, okay, never mind. So Grayson Lambert was at 96%, but he only threw 25 passes. So uh, let's see in a season. Um, in a season. Uh, yeah, it's Mac Jones. Mac Jones is number one. That's what I thought. It's it's an unbelievable number, 76.5%. Um, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. Uh, 3,739 passing yards, 32 touchdowns across only four interceptions. I mean, with those kind of numbers, I'd, I'd, I'd favor him to win the Heisman over, uh, over Trevor Lawrence, Devonte Smith, 98 catches for 1500 yards, 17 touchdowns, Trevor Lawrence, 69.2 completion percentage, uh, about 2,700 passing yards, 22 touchdown passes, also four interceptions like Mac Jones. So let, let me take a look at these guys head to head. So Mac Jones, his completion percentage is better by 7%. He threw for 1,000 more yards. He threw for 10 more touchdowns. They both threw four interceptions. And Trevor Lawrence ran for six more touchdowns. Kyle Trask, almost 70%, 4,100 passing yards, 43 touchdown passes, five picks, and three touchdown runs. So personally, based on these numbers and how dominant Alabama has been, I would go with Mac Jones. Um, but... I have absolutely zero problem with Devontae Smith winning it. Zero problem at all. Uh, you know, especially when you look at uh, awards in football, whether it's college or the NFL. Yes, the quarterback position is the most important in, in football, uh, regardless of the level. It's definitely the most important. But man, man, do these awards get flooded with quarterbacks. It's always, it, it's just, and I'm not sure that we have that in any other sport where, where one position is so kind of, looked at in with such awe or such importance as the quarterback position like i said it is very important it's the most important position but you know year in and year out quarterbacks are the ones that win mvps uh, at the nfl level and the heisman trophy at the collegiate level so it's very cool to see Devonte smith win 
the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver, like I said, the first time since 1991. Um, transitioning to the NFL, Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores announced the resignation of, of offensive coordinator Chan Gailey on Wednesday after he spent only one season with the organization. So he thanked him. He retired in 2017 after a two-year stint with the New York Jets, but he returned to coaching last January in the Dolphins staff. He previously worked with Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick during three years together with the Buffalo Bills from 2010 through 2012. Perhaps he didn't expect to be working with Tua Tagovailoa instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick enjoyed he enjoyed success following the reunion with Gailey. He ranked fifth in ESPN's total QBR at 77.3 across nine appearances, seven of which were starts during the 2020 season. Uh, rookie Tua Tagovailoa was not nearly as effective in Gailey's system, rating 26th in total QBR at 52.9. In ten games, nine of which was starts, nine of which were starts. So, I can only guess my number one reason as to why he resigned. Man, resigned and resigned are are way too close <laughs> in terms of how they sound, and they mean the complete the complete opposite uh, when it comes to sports. <laughs> someone should get on that. I'm not a linguist, but someone should get on that. And yeah, like I was saying, back back uh, to what's important. You know, linguistics are not important. Sports are. Uh, back to what's important I think he left because you know it wasn't working with Tua and he wanted to work with Fitz so that's pretty much it I mean and the guy retired three years ago so um you know transitioning to more football Matt Ryan and Julio Jones might be the most two identifiable members two identifiable members of the Atlanta Falcons but team owner Arthur Blank acknowledged they may not be in the franchise's future plans very unfortunate this is a team that obviously infamously I should say uh, made the Super Bowl just a few seasons ago, choking a 28-3 lead to the New England Patriots. Um, very, they're, they're eerily, eerily similar to the Cleveland Indians, who I will talk about very soon. Speaking to reporters on Tuesday, Blank didn't say the Falcons are openly trying to move Matt Ryan or Julio Jones necessarily, but he acknowledged a separation is not off the table, saying, quote, what I think is important, most important, is that we hire people who are, number one, the very best at their jobs. That goes with without saying. Who will come forward with a plan for us to have a championship team, a competitive team, etc.? And that may include Matt and Julio for now for the next two years, three years, or may not. I have no idea. So he didn't really say anything. He just said it, it may or may not include Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. A lot of people would read into that as saying that he wants them traded or that they're on the trading block. Trading block. Uh, I don't think they are. Team president Rich McKay told the Athletics' Jeff Schultz in December, who whomever Atlanta hires as its GM or head coach may prefer to trade one or both of the stars. In the event that happened, ownership would not stand in the way. So, I mean, you know, they shouldn't. It's a losing team. There's there's no reason to stand uh, in the head coaches or GM's way when they want to trade someone like Matt Ryan or Julio Jones, unless that someone is Bill O'Brien <laughs> that would send Julio Jones to, you know, Baltimore for J.K. Dobbins or something like that. You know, what he did to DeAndre Hopkins with DeAndre Hopkins. It's, it was good for D-Hop, but horrible for the Texans. I can't get over it. And that's the latest on the Falcons transitioning uh, to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this this is this just makes me shake my head. The Cleveland Browns reportedly have more than their announced co- positive COVID nineteen test to worry about heading into Sunday's playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to the Chronicle Telegram. Browns wide receiver Rashard Higgins was cited for drag racing on Tuesday. The Browns said they are aware of the incident. Jake Trotter of ESPN reported left tackle Jedrick Wills Jr. was cited as well. Uh, attorney Kevin Spellacy told NFL Network that both players will plead not guilty to the first-degree misdemeanor, which can carry up to six months in jail and up to a $1,000 fine. Petrak noted police stopped two cars Tuesday morning 
In addition to the traffic citations, quote, a substance suspected as, as a marijuana joint was found and destroyed on camera under officer supervision. It was not clear in the initial, so perhaps they could also tie in a, a DUI to that. It's very unfortunate. Cleveland selected uh, Higgins with a fifth-round pick in the 2016 draft, and he's been a role player for most of his career. But still, th- you have a playoff game coming up. What are you doing? Like, even again, I'm not I'm not in favor of drag racing or smoking weed and driving. But if you were to do something like this, just from a team perspective, do it in week two, do it in week five, where like the team wouldn't suffer, but you do it a few days before a playoff game and just doing it in general. I mean, not even that, just doing it in general is just stupid. I mean, when, when you're a public figure, I'm, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Transitioning to more football, you guessed it. In a widely expected move, Clemson star Trevor Lawrence is declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. He is probably bound for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Although, if Urban Meyer will be the next head coach, I would not be surprised if they go with the Justin Fields reunion and the New York Jets pick up Trevor Lawrence after all. From the moment that Lawrence torched Alabama for 347 yards and three touchdowns as a true freshman, and probably well before that, NFL executives have eagerly eagerly awaited the moment that the number one recruit in the 2018 freshman class would take the step to the next level, and he's finally doing so. The 21-year-old has already been positioned as the savior for the franchise. Sorry enough to lend number one overall pick. Like I said, it's probably going to be, um, probably he will go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but never say never. Um, but Lawrence, he's he's as close to, no athlete is assured. Again, people make the mistake of assuming that if someone is good in college, they will be good in the NFL. Just look at, or the NBA, whatever it is, just look at Johnny Manziel. No athlete, I mean, Anthony Bennett, there's so many busts. No athlete is assured of enjoying a decorated professional career just because they do good in college. But Lawrence is as close to a sure thing at quarterback since Andrew Luck came out of Stanford in 2012. Or excuse me, I believe it was LSU. He threw for 9,698 yards and 88 touchdowns in three years at Clemson. He also ran for 951 yards and 17 scores. Ohio State fans likely still have nightmares about a 67-yard touchdown run against the Buckeyes in the 2019 Fiesta Bowl. That was a, that was a great game. Um, ESPN's David Hale wrote in August 2019 how Lawrence par- Lawrence's parents lined him up with a dedicated quarterback trainer when he was in the eighth grade. So clearly, this is something that he's been doing for a while. Former teammate Miller Forrestal recalled seeing him throw it that, at that time and immediately realizing his status as Cartersville um, High School's that's in Georgia, starting quarterback was under threat. Clemson was heavily pursuing Lawrence when he was a freshman in high school. So, I mean, when he was in high school, he was pursued. When he was a freshman in high school, he was heavily pursued by universities. When he was a freshman in college, he was heavily pursued by NFL teams. So this guy has always been on people's radars. He's always been a top prospect. He's been doing this for a very long time. And I think he's going to be very good at the NFL level. You thought we'd be done with the Cleveland Browns, but believe it or not, they have some positive news to talk about. Cleveland Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski confirmed on Wednesday that additional COVID-19 tests within the team yielded no more positive tests. So thank God they already had some. Stefanski tested positive. Adam Schefter noted this clears the way for Cleveland's wildcard matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, as long as no more problems come to the fore. On, honestly, this is an interesting situation because let's say they faked. I'm playing devil's, devil's advocate here. Let's say they faked a positive test. Um, would the game be forfeited or would it be postponed? Because if it's postponed, I think you should you, you should do that if you're the Browns because that allows Kevin Stefanski to retire from to from, I'm a little off today to recover from COVID and coach the next week. But if they were they, if they would have to forfeit, then obviously you go ahead with the game this week. Um, 
Stefanski told reporters that he's good and will be fine, but he added that he does not expect to be able to communicate with the players this Sunday, so that's a huge loss. Like I've been saying to the Cleveland Browns, we'll see what the um, whoever steps in for Stefanski will be able to do. And with that, we are switching gears to more football. The Houston Texans. Man, the Houston Texans reportedly gave Nick Casiero a six-year contract, a brand-new GM, and they made him one of the three highest-paid GMs in the league over six years. The guy looks like a meme, but that's that's a different story. Adam Schefter reported the deals of the contract. According to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, Casario's deal has a base value of $30 million and can max out at $36 million, a huge contract for a GM. I, I mean, I guess he they, they are extremely confident in him being a great GM, but I think six years is very excessive for someone that's never been a GM before. He's the, he's the former uh, director of player personnel for the New England Patriots. He's famously replacing Bill O'Brien, who was fired as head coach and GM after the 0-4 starts of the season. They, Houston pursued Cagliero during the 2019 offseason as well, so clearly they've liked this guy for a very long time. Um, and, but it, it'll take a lot. It'll take a lot to rebuild the Texans. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. De- Deshaun Watson is unhappy. More on that later. Uh, Cagliero was 45 years old. He's been he was with the Patriots since 2001, and he served as their director of player personnel since 2008. So it seems like the guy knows what he's doing. Still, for a first time GM, I don't care if he's been with the Patriots for a hundred years. For his first time GM, six years is too much, in my opinion. Transitioning to the NBA, a non football story for once. Bradley Beal dropped a career-high 60 points against the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday at Wells Fargo Center, almost single-handedly guiding the Washington Wizards to a comeback victory after trailing by 21 points earlier in the game. Instead, the Wizards fell 141-136 to in a very high-scoring game as the Sixers quieted Beal in the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook was the second-highest-scoring Wizard with 20 points. Beal shot 20 of 35 from the field, including 7 of 10 from three, while sinking 13 out of 15 free throws. So Bradley Beal... Um, has a new career high. He's hit 50 multiple times, like 55, but 60 is a is a huge mark for Bradley Beal. It's really cool that he hit it. Here's something that's really not cool. Orlando Magic point guard Markel Fultz will miss the rest of the season after suffering a torn ACL in his left knee during Wednesday's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the team announced. It was, a, it was pretty gruesome to watch. Fultz went down while driving through the paint just two minutes into the game. The team ruled him out for the remainder of the game shortly thereafter noting he would be further evaluated, but it looked bad. You could tell that it was likely a torn ACL just from the video. Injuries have been a constant constant story surrounding Fultz since the Philadelphia 76ers brought him into the league by making him the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. And he's, he, he's been through so much, it looked like at, at some points that he forgot how to play basketball when he when he was uh, playing with the 76ers. He was, there were rumors, you know, his trainers were saying that that. He had some nerve problems with his shoulder and just all kinds of stuff was being thrown around as to why the guy just wasn't playing well, playing horribly, not well, horribly at the NBA level. And he was finally, um, he was finally turning it around with the Orlando Magic this season. Um, As a rookie, like I said, it wasn't good. He averaged seven points, four assists and three rebounds a game while attempting only one three-pointer. Um... Yeah, after 19 games in his second season, his agent Raymond Brothers told the 76ers his client wouldn't play or practice until seeing a specialist. So there was all kinds of all kinds of drama. Uh, last season, he averaged 12 points, five assists, and three rebounds, and over a steal a game while helping lead the Magic to the playoffs. And he was even better this season, averaging 14 points, six assists, four rebounds, and a steal a game. Um, Cole Anthony will will you know 
hold it down while while Markel Fultz is is out, and it's just so sad. He was just at, at, le- at least he signed a big contract in the offseason. That you know should be. Um, I think that's that's plenty plenty of a silver lining for him. But still, tearing your ACL, it's a horrible, it's a hor- horrific injury, and it, it just sucks to see. It really sucks to see. Transitioning to baseball. What a blockbuster trade this is. The New York Mets announced Thursday that they acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians in return for Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Cleveland Indians fans are pissed. Lindor is in his prime. He's one of the best players in baseball. Carlos Carrasco is a very solid pitcher, and both are fan favorites. So Indians fans are, are pissed. But they did get a very solid return from the Mets. The Dodgers were in on it. Many wondered how Steve Cohen would operate in his first offseason since purchasing the Mets from the Wilpen family. And here it is. He has big money. He's not afraid to use it. He's not afraid to make the team better. Um, honestly, it, it's I like this trade. You know, as a Dodger fan, I, I welcome competition in the National League. I know that sounds cocky, but um, Rosario figures to be Cleveland's everyday shortstop in 2021 with Lindor gone. He's a 268 career hitter with uh, and boasts a 403 slugging percentage. So, but obviously, he's not. He's not. Um, he's not a Francisco Lindor by any means. Uh, so huge gain for for. for um, for the Mets, I think this undoubtedly, undoubtedly adding Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco makes them a playoff team. No doubt about it. So huge move for the Mets. I'm not going to say that they fleece the Indians, but but it's I, I, here's how I would rate this. I would rate this as a as a solid B for the for the Indians and a, and a and an A for the Mets. I mean, this is a this is a home run for the Mets. No doubt about it. Especially when the Yankees wanted Lindor, Dodgers wanted him, anyone. Everyone, anyone and everyone wanted to trade for Francisco Lindor. Switching gears back to college football. The Big Ten has reportedly advocated for the college football playoff national championship, which is scheduled for Monday night to be postponed for one week. Like like I've been talking about, it was being thrown around. Everyone was saying that it's going to happen. Ohio State wanted it to happen. Alabama wanted it to happen on the scheduled day. But now the Big Ten wants it postponed a week because of COVID tests. Uh, it's because... Uh, well, it's because of concerns about the number of players who may be inactive for Ohio State. Dan Patrick reported today the Buckeyes are, quote, very close to the availability limit because of COVID-19 protocols as they prepare to face Alabama. Patrick noted there are particular concerns around the OSU defensive line, the unit that was critical in their upset victory over Clemson in the Sugar Bowl semifinal. So, you know, it'd be one thing if you're 50th or 51st player or Ben Shormer or, you know, second string kicker um, had COVID and, and they weren't able to play. But when it's when it's you know important players of your defense, then of course you'd be you'd be for postponing the game a week, and um, I understand that hundred percent. Switching gears to football to close out this episode of Sean Sports Stop. This is explosive. Houston Texans star Deshaun Watson is quote extremely unhappy with how the team's general manager search played out, according to NFL Network. Rappaport um, reported Watson was told by team owner Cal McNair he'd have input in the process. However, the hiring of Nick Cagliero was done without his consultation, which is Watson's point of contention rather than the move itself. Um, Adam Schefter said, quote, additionally, the Texans did not inform Watson that they intended to hire Cagliero, and he found out about the hire on social media that contributed to Watson taking to Twitter that night to post some some things never change. Last offseason, Houston didn't let Watson know that star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins would be traded, which led to some disappointment. Now that now that it has happened again, Watson is said to be infinitely more bothered, sources told ESPN. So when I first saw the headline and I first saw 
that Deshaun Watson was upset that he was not consulted on the hiring of a GM. I thought, yes, Deshaun Watson is an unbelievable quarterback in this league, but what kind of quarterback, unless you're someone like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, has a say in um, has a say in who the team hires as a GM? But when the team, but when the team says that you will have a say and then doesn't consult you, that's a whole different ball game. It just makes no sense, especially when they already did this once with DeAndre Hopkins in that trade and didn't tell Watson anything. It, it's so easy if. You, or just either 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 tell him, either consult with him, or just don't tell him that they're gonna, that you're going to consult with him. It's just it makes no sense. It's not hard to consult with the guy if you, especially if you tell him that you already will. If you don't tell him anything, then you don't you don't owe him anything. It's it's as simple as that. Um, so uh, the MMQB's Albert Breer added that Watson previously advocated for the Texans to interview Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Benemy, but the team ultimately passed on the chance to do so. So, I mean, Watson's request that doesn't seem too unreasonable. Not only is he the franchise quarterback, he's also signed through the 2025 season. The 25-year-old, ideally, is not going anywhere anytime soon. So the Texans have a big problem on their hands. Perhaps there will be a trade. The New Orleans Saints and Chicago Bears, San Francisco 49ers could be landing spots. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Up. This was episode, this was episode number 326. I appreciate you guys listening so much, and I'll see you guys at number 327. We out.